check check all right we're doing it You're listening to Chirp Docs from the Chicago Independent Radio Project, 107.1 FM. I'm Andrew Merriweather. This week's doc, Dilla Day. Play me. Play me. Buy me. So this is a vocal rehearsal for the Donut Show on the 9th. Um, earlier today, rehearsed with the horn section, which is trumpet, trombone, and flute. Um, had a rehearsal with the rhythm section last week, and this is one of two rehearsals with these vocalists um, before we have the full run through on uh, later this week. So that's Charlie. My name is Charlie Coffeen. I lead uh, this band Sidewalk Chalk. And over the past several years, Charlie's been putting on a series of tribute shows for the late producer and musician James Nancy, better known as Jay Dilla. What started as Charlie and a couple of his college friends putting on a show at a small club in Chicago has now blossomed into a 16-piece orchestra with musicians from all over the country that will be performing in the massive Talia Hall venue in Pilsen. While well-known to hip-hop and jazz nerds, it's quite possible that you've never heard of Jay Dilla. But chances are, you've at least heard a song produced by him. Dilla produced tracks for a countless number of famous artists, including The Roots, Erica Badu, A Tribe Called Quest, Q-Tip, and many, many more. For many musicians, including Charlie, Jay Dilla changed the way they made music. And he just had a, a way with rhythm and with sampling that, for one, transformed the MPC into an instrument that's as legitimate as a piano or a or a harp or anything. The MPC, or Music Production Controller, is the machine that Dilla used to create a significant amount of his music. Yeah, an MPC, the, the original one was made by Akai, a brand that's still around now, A-K-A-I. Akai. And it's, a, it's just a square box with 16 pads on it. What the MPC allowed you to do was to take a sample from a piece of music, say from a record or a tape, and load it into the machine. Once you had the samples in there, you could chop them up into smaller pieces, spreading them across the 16 pads, which, when pressed, played the sample. From there, your ability to manipulate the sample was nearly endless. Time-stretching samples, so slowing them down, or other effects that are built into the machine. Obviously, Jay Dilla wasn't the only musician at the time using the MPC. But what made Dilla so unique was that he was one of the first not to use one of the core features called quantizing. Quantizing is like if you think of um, beats on a grid, everything is locked in, it's in place. So like a, a standard hip hop beat, um, you know, say has, you know, kick drum one, two, snare on three, kick drum on beat four. And he would play those things on each individual pad on the MPC and not quantize them, which means not eliminate the human element that makes them just a little bit off the grid. There comes a time Nobody speaks on the grid. You don't play your instrument on the grid. Um, and he just 
brought in this very human element where he was able to transform that instrument into into chop up samples in a way that just felt very human if you know felt like a person playing an instrument and that's the thing that just changed rhythm you know there'll be there'll be a snare that's like consistently off the downbeat and it just feels so good in addition to his unique approach to rhythm dilla had a seemingly encyclopedic musical knowledge he utilized and combined samples from every genre whether it was soul kraut rock folk or disco Dilla didn't discriminate, which is why, even though his music is often categorized as hip-hop, it really extends far beyond any singular form of music. Donuts, the record Charlie and his band will be performing for the tribute show, is a perfect distillation of Dilla's music. The record spans 31 songs and features the use of 34 different samples. There are no rappers and no singers, just Dilla and his MPC selecting samples and chopping them up into entirely new creations. Although the record comprises a huge number of songs, the record clocks in under an hour, meaning that most tracks are a minute and 30 seconds or less. The breakneck pace of the record can make it kind of disorienting when you initially listen to it. It can be kind of jarring the first time. Be like, whoa, like sensory overload of rhythm and sound and and emotion, even even with like no words. But once you settle into the record, you quickly discover a rich and intricate album. Part of what makes Donuts such a fascinating album to recreate live is that the whole record is samples. Each song is really multiple other songs chopped up and layered on top of one another. For this show, the band will not only be playing Dilla's songs, but will also occasionally play sections of the original source material that Dilla sampled, like on Waves, the third song on Donuts. So here's a good one. So this is... Here's one where we're going to play uh, a good amount of the original song that the sample came from. It's called Johnny Don't Do It. Johnny Don't Do It. Um, and it's like this almost like doo thing. Right. And then it opens up into this really beautiful part. And this is actually the part that he sampled. part of the bridge and then when he chops it up it becomes same melody just kind of flipped around a little bit once the compositions are finished charlie sends them out to his musicians each of them will be responsible for learning their parts individually before rehearsals, which is only several days before the show. I listen to the album a lot. I try to imitate the way that he kind of cut up these samples, which is not easy. That's Amanda Bailey. She'll be playing violin for the Dilla show. Jay Dilla himself was classically trained, having played the cello growing up. But on Donuts, he doesn't use the strings in a way that a classical musician would. This adds a unique challenge to learning the string parts. The way he did it is very, you know, you'll have a sound that'll just stop when the 
sample just cuts. And as a classical musician, that's not really something that you are trained to do, like cut off a note as if it was a full phrase that just got sliced. In addition to trying to capture the precision of Jay Dilla's music, the musicians also have to discover his vibe. Yeah, I mean, it's just about listening, you know, listening, getting inside you. That's Sam. My name is Sam Trump, and I'm a trumpeter and singer. I'll be singing and playing the trumpet in the Jay Dilla show. When Sam talks about listening and getting music inside you, he's referring to what he calls internalizing. You know, internalizing music is very important because when you are doing a, uh, a show such as a, a Jay Dilla tribute show or a tribute show in general, it's very important for you to capture the essence of the artist that you're that you're dedicating the performance to, you know. For other musicians, like singer Shante Ken, there's also a certain amount of just letting whatever naturally flows out flow out. Like on the funky reggae cover of Light My Fire, which Dilla sampled on his song Light Up, Shante lets herself bring her own influence and flair to the music. Um, I'm influenced by world music. So like reggae is not something that's far fresh from me to you know, catch a vibe to just allow me to open up even more. So I'm, I'm just planning to be free, and that's all I can really do. <laughs> Donuts on its own is a masterpiece. Ask any hip hop producer, and they'll tell you the same thing. But there's an additional layer to the Donuts record that makes it one of a kind outside of its technical and artistic prowess. You know, he made it on his deathbed, you know, like literally in the hospital as he's dying. That's Charlie Cofin again. He had uh, somebody bring in his gear, the MPC, and a whole stack of records, and he made it in, in the hospital. After coming back from a tour promoting his release Rough Draft in 2003, Dilla suddenly fell ill. At first, he thought it was simply the flu. But as his symptoms worsened, he was taken to the hospital and diagnosed with lupus. Lupus is a crippling autoimmune disease in which a person's immune system can no longer tell the difference between viruses, bacteria, and germs, things it should be getting rid of, and healthy tissue. Dilla's body was quite literally destroying itself. For a period, Dilla was able to continue to perform and create music the way he did before, battling through his illness. Eventually, however, his condition worsened, and he was hospitalized at Cedar sinai Hospital in Los Angeles. Though much of Donuts had actually been made prior to his full hospitalization, nearly the entire record was revised and mixed in his hospital room. Donuts would end up being the last record that Dilla would release as a living musician. The album dropped on February 7th, 2006. James Nancy passed away on February 10th. It's natural to wonder to what extent these circumstances shaped Donuts. I don't, I don't know if you can hear pain in the record, but you can definitely hear a sense of like longing, you know, and having all these ideas that need to get out now because the t- there's not a lot of time. Many of the songs feel like love letters to important people in Dilla's life. Others are aggressive, possibly expressing frustration at the circumstances. And still more appear to be attempts to console those around him. The record also seems to possess a poetic structure. There are these recurring autobiographical motifs, such as sirens and ad-libs, samples of live performances where people are called on the stage to dance. There's a circularity. It begins curiously with an outro, and concludes with the song titled Welcome to the Show, which ends identically to how the outro begins. The record, in theory, could be looped forever. Donuts could be a memoir, or an attempt to communicate with friends despite the hindrances of his illness, 
or possibly even a commentary on the false dichotomy of birth and death. Or maybe Dilla just wanted to make some great music before it was too late. Because making music is what he did. Regardless of the psychological or philosophical undertones of the record, what is clear is that Donuts has had a significant impact on fans and musicians all over the world. So much so that hundreds of people will gather in Chicago on February 9th to watch a 16-piece orchestra recreate one of the greatest records of our time. Thank you.